Amen. So John chapter 10, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees in this passage, and he's telling them, um, basically, he's teaching them through a metaphor about his role and about his followers and how they interact with one another. So let's start there in verse 1, and we're just going to read through verse 5, John 10, 1 through 5. It says this, and these are Jesus' words, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Lord, I thank you that you are our good shepherd. I know that you have specific intention and purpose for each one of us. And I pray, Father, that you would help us this morning as we dive into your word and what it is that you're teaching us here. Help us to understand you on a deeper level. And I pray that you would bestow within each and every one of us a deeper trust that will, that will make us able to go further in you, further than our understanding. Lead us deeper in you today. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, as I was thinking about St. Patrick's Day and actually his life and what he actually accomplished and what he did, I thought it was pretty interesting because the, the specific word that the Lord had put upon my heart for us as a, as a body this morning, because it's very interconnected. Has anybody ever heard the story of St. Patrick? Okay. Maybe almost half you guys? Yeah. So is that right? I know he did a lot of awesome uh, miracles. And actually, his story, I'll give you a quick summary to kind of catch up those who have never heard of it. So he was actually British. He was from England. And at 16 years old, he was actually captured by pirates. He was taken uh, captive and then brought to Ireland, which was a completely, like, uncivilized, like, dangerous place. And he was sold into slavery in Ireland at 16 years old. And he was there, and the person that he was sold to was a farmer. And so he took Patrick and put him into the field, and he was caring for sheep there. And Patrick had originally come from a Christian home. His father was a deacon in the church. His grandfather was a priest in the church. But he never really wanted anything to do with God. He kind of did his own thing, never really took his faith seriously. All of a sudden, he finds himself whisked out of his world and everything that he knows. And here he is living in slavery now and stuck in the middle of the wilderness with a bunch of sheep. He had a lot of time on his hands to think about things. And in that time, he ends up coming back to the Lord. He goes back to like his, his roots of Christianity and with the Lord and begins to pray continually. And he develops this, this um, lifestyle really of prayer. And as he does, the Lord begins to speak to him more clearly and more powerfully Well, after six years in slavery, um, caring for the shepherds, he hears a voice say to him, your ship has come in. And he took that to mean that the Lord was sending someone to come and bring him back home. And he, he believed that so strongly that he took it upon himself to escape from his master 
And he actually traveled 200 miles to the west coast of Ireland, to, to the coast, where he found there a ship that was being boarded. And he approached the, the shipmaster, gave him a little snippet of his story, and asked him for permission to board the ship. At which point, after 200 miles of traveling on foot, undercover, because if he had gotten caught, he would have been brought right back to his master with severe punishment, right? He goes to the shipmaster and asks for permission to board and gets rejected. That shipmaster did not want that on his hands if he were to get caught giving sanctuary to a slave. So Patrick turns and walks away and continues to pray and says, I know that I heard, but okay, maybe this is not, just not the ship. And all of a sudden, that sa- the same person calls back to him and says, wait, come back, we'll take you. And they take him back to England where he was received warmly, but it was very short-lived. While he was there, continuing to grow in the Lord, again he hears, he has actually, this was a dream. And in a dream, a voice said to him, it was the voice of Ireland saying, um, holy, holy boy, come back to us, we need you. This is what the voice said to him, come back to us, we need you. And so he, he understood that was the voice of the shepherd calling him back to the very place where he was, he was forced to go and then God freed him. And now God is saying, now I want you to willingly go and I want you to go and share the gospel. And so he did. He trained for the ministry. He ended up going and preaching for a period of 29 years, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ into uh, what Ireland was, a completely pagan, pagan nation, polytheistic. They worshiped uh, air. They worshiped water. They worshiped the earth. And he went into this society and transformed that country in the name of Jesus Christ and did amazing things. And when you think about just the vastness of what he accomplished and how it all happened because he followed the voice of the good shepherd, that serves for us as a a demonstration of God's greater purpose for every one of us in all things in all circumstances that don't necessarily add up in our mind. It doesn't seem logical. But when the voice speaks and we follow, the plans begin to unfold. One step at a time, it begins to make sense. And God's purpose is revealed. And at the heart of that purpose is always one or two things. Purpose of growing us deeper in him. Of the purpose of others, growing others deeper through our lives. All the external circumstances that it takes to accomplish that purpose don't matter nearly as much as what's happening in here, because this is what it is all about. He's always at work within us. But in order for us to go deeper in Him, it requires trust. We have to not just hear the voice. But be sheep that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10 that follow. It's one thing to hear. It's another to follow. See, trust and faith are very interconnected. They're very close. But there is a slight difference. Trust is more of a verb. So I I call trust faith in practice. See, belief is one thing. I believe something, but trust is the behavior that comes out of the belief. Yeah, think about, um, I think about the Israelites as they're standing before the Philistines and the giant Goliath, and they're having this standoff. 
And Israel as a nation, they say they believed in God. They knew that he was their sovereign God. They believed that the land they were living in was the promised land. That's where they belonged. It belongs to them because God gave it to them. That's their right. They believed this. But they believed God right up until the battlefield lines. And that's about as far as they believed because their trust didn't follow the belief. And we all know that David came in, young David came out of the shepherd fields to give lunch to his brothers. And when he sees what's going on, he doesn't even think about it. He says, what? You're, you're standing against the people of God? Like this, this one man mocking God? He's not mocking us. He's mocking God. How dare he? And for him, it wasn't even a matter of, it wasn't even a thought process. He's like, let me go shut this guy down now and end this today. Because his trust went beyond what he understood. He knew that God is sovereign. That's all he needed to know. And so that trust lunged him forward right into that, that threat. And it ended very quickly because when trust moves us forward, the Lord is able to take over. The Lord is able to do what he wants us to do. He wants us to be able to trust in him because our trust is always directed at, at someone or at something. And for the nation of Israel at that time, their trust was more in their own abilities. I'm not so sure how this is going to play out, so I'm afraid of taking one more step forward. I can't quite go that far. I'll go right up to the line, and I can, I can see them, but I can't, I don't trust God enough to go at them and then through it. He's calling us to the deeper things. And Jesus reminds us here in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd He calls us out by name and he leads us to the green pastures. He's leading us to places of provision, of protection. But yet when we follow him, provision and protection, the goodness of God is not always what we perceive because we don't always acknowledge it. We don't recognize it for what it is. See, his provision comes in, in different forms, comes through different means. We don't always see his complete plan. We don't always understand. We know his voice, but it doesn't say we understand what it's saying or even where it's leading us, but we know the voice. We know the voice. And the challenge for us now is to move forward following that voice even when it doesn't make sense. Oftentimes, this brings us to a place where it leads it just a pl- an, of utter wonder. What is God doing here? Why do I have to go through this again today? Why has this not ended? Where are we even going? How is this helpful to to me or to anybody? It doesn't make sense. We wonder. But understanding is not necessary to just trust and follow. But understanding will eventually follow our trust and obedience. He wants us to trust. He wants to deepen us. Verse 3 says that he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And as he's leading us, he's taking us on a journey. He doesn't lead us out and then say, okay, now sit. He's taking us places. He doesn't keep us in the same place for too long because he's always working, doing something within us, moving within us. And so if we aren't going anywhere, there's nothing, no stirring happening. There's nothing here If we feel stuck or lost, we have to question whether or not we're actually following 
his leadership. And not just hearing it, but taking the initiative on our part, the initiative that belongs to us, to follow his leadership. He wants us to follow in absolute wonder because that's where the trust, that's where the rubber hits the road. We know that we're trusting God when it doesn't make sense, but we're following anyway. He wants us to come to this place. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. For a sheep who are not following, there's one of these two factors at play from Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. It says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. See, this unwillingness to submit, that requires a change of heart. Our heart is in the wrong place. And this, this is something where we have to actually question, are we in the right flock? If I'm not willing to follow, am I where I think I am? The other factor for the sheep that's not following is this, the trust factor. Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding. And trust is something that develops with time and intentionality. It's, it's leaning on what God says beyond what my, what my understanding says. But then verse 4 says this. It, verse 4 of John 10 says, When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I wonder who, how many in here have ever trusted God in a, in a decision or some kind of new endeavor only to find yourself surrounded by trials. If anybody found themselves in this place, God, I thought you spoke so clearly. And, and now, what, what is going on? Did I miss? And then we begin to, to doubt ourselves. I thought I heard him. What, did, was this just something that I wanted? Now we question ourselves. We question God. We question our faith. Now everything is, kind of throws us into this whirlwind. Well, in the meantime, the Lord is trying to use it all to develop our trust even deeper. He wants to bring us to the deeper things of God. But sometimes when we follow that voice, it feels it's almost like it was like a setup. Like I followed you and here all of a sudden it's like, wait, I just walked into like a trap. Are there any here who have ever participated, I'm wondering, in some of those um, team building events or activities that uh, companies and businesses will do? Yeah, you guys have. (laughs) We're all about that. Um, There are actually um, professionals that this is what they do for a living. What they do is they they host teams, uh, business co-workers, and they have these events where they put on trainings to bring groups of people together for the purpose of building connection, building trust with one another. And Jeff Ashdy is a man who is involved in this team building training type of stuff. And this is what he says. The best way to get to know somebody is to immerse yourself with them for a period of days in a stressful environment. And so what they do is they take, they take these groups of people into challenging and sometimes even extreme environments in order to stretch them, not just individually, but as a unit. They stretch them as a group together. There's one trainer that he takes these teams of people 
out into the western United States into the canyons for 11-day excursions. And so what he does, he takes these untrained people from the office corporate world, takes them into the canyons in the middle of winter for a period of 11 days where they are literally left there in, to, in survival mode. Now he's with them to help them along the way, but they're also chipping through um, ice in mud puddles for their drinking water. They're, they got shortened days, the little daylight because of the winter, and they're hiking through the canyons in the freezing cold temperatures. How many think we should do that for as a Graceway trip sometime? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, is that what the, that's the first step. The 5K is leading to that. You know, a couple years down the road, yeah. 5K comes first. <laughs> so check this out. Studies show that, peop, that we trust people that we know or that we like even more than we trust qualified professionals. We would rather go to friends than experts. One study that was actually done in a hospital, it looked at the nurses, and the nurse, what they found was the nurses that wanted a second opinion on their patient's diagnosis, they were more at, most of them went to their colleagues that they felt most comfortable with instead of going to the experts in the field. That's, that's like semi-dangerous right there. But knowing one another, it just highlights the fact that knowing one another is the key to trust, which is why teams of people are led into these extreme conditions for extended period of time, not one or two days, because we can kind of hold our own and just kind of keep people at the surface for a few days. But after a certain period of time, the real us, the real emotions, the real feeling begins to come out. The real you shows through. See, meeting occasionally for short interactions with one another or the Lord, short, inconsistent interaction, it just maintains surface-level relationships. It doesn't go any deeper. Shallow experience results in shallow relationship. And in order to build trust, we have to get to a point, this is one of the things that is said about these team-building trainings, In order to build trust, you have to get to the point where you disagree with one another on an emotional level. We're not just coming together and having a conversation and yesing one another. We're actually engaging in the places where we disagree. We have different points of view. And not just here, but here. Things that we really strongly feel. We get to that point and now... The, the disagreement is accelerated by adversity, and now the real, the real person shines out. When you're together with somebody for a significant amount of time, in these cases, 11 days, 10 days, and you're facing challenges together, the real inner you comes to the surface, and people get to know one another on this deeper level. And then we wonder... Why we hear the voice, and then weeks or months later say, what happened? Why does everything feel like it's such a struggle? Why is this such a challenge? The Lord is trying to build trust. He's trying to grow us deeper with him. Bringing us to the core of ourselves. Bringing us to our limits so that he can show where he takes over and proves himself to us and who he really is.
See, stress comes for every one of us when we get to that place where we're a little uncomfortable. But when stress comes, it teaches us about each other. It forces us to a place of vulnerability. And he always has those same two objectives in mind. It's always about growing us deeper or using our lives to grow others deeper. This is the purpose. He always keeps this in perspective. And so sometimes we go through the motions and we spend enough time with the Lord where we begin to feel like we kind of are getting the gist. You know, we went through this stretching phase and it was kind of difficult, but okay, I'm adapting, I'm learning, I'm growing, I got this. And as soon as that happens, it'll change the game on us and bring us again to another level of stretching and changing. I think about the story just a a couple of chapters ahead in John chapter 12, where Jesus is sitting with with the disciples and he's having a meal with them. And all of a sudden, a woman walks into the, the, um, the table with them, and she takes this jar of perfume worth a year's wages, it says, and dumps the whole thing out on his feet, takes her hair, and begins to wipe his feet. And Jesus' res- response to that confused the disciples because he let it happen, and he embraced the woman, and he was grateful for this. Now, this, this confused the disciples. Why? They had walked with him for years now, And what did they see? They saw things such as the rich young ruler who came to him and said, I've obeyed all your commandments all these years. What do I have to do to get to heaven? And what did he say to her? Go sell all your possessions and then give that money to the poor. His disciples are watching, they're learning, they're growing, and they're finally getting it. Okay, we need to take care of poor people. We need to care about others' needs. And enter this woman now, dumping this perfume worth thousands of dollars just on his feet, and they're thinking, that's a waste. That could have gone to those people in need. But he said, no, she did the right thing. Anytime that we begin, that we feel like we're starting to understand how the Lord works and how he thinks, we think we're in his head. At that point, it's time to tune our ear in to what he's about to say because he's about to change up the game. He wants to grow us deeper. We have never arrived. We have never come as far and learned as much as we are going to learn on this earth and say, okay, well, the rest will come when I come to heaven. We have never arrived. I don't care if it's 50 years old or 150 years old. There is always more that the Lord wants to show us and reveal about who he is. We always need to have our ear tuned in to his voice and following after him. Sometimes we follow so long, we just kind of get in these motions and it just becomes like second nature. We're not thinking or even listening anymore. We're just doing. We're just acting. It's just this outward motion. But it's always here that he's moving. It's always on the inside changing and bringing us deeper. He wants us in the vulnerable places because that's where he can show us more about himself. But what comes first? Trust or vulnerability? Most assume that trust comes first because once we trust a little bit, like, okay, I'm going to decide to trust you a little bit, and then I feel comfortable to take a step closer. And then I'll make myself vulnerable. I'm willing to make myself vulnerable after I trust. But that is the exact opposite of reality and how things operate. When we are vulnerable, it builds trust. When we allow ourselves to be somewhat exposed 
all of a sudden now trust can begin to happen as we take risks create uh, trust is created look at in psalm 23 where david is writing about the good shepherd and how he leads him and takes him through the fields and what he says in verse 5 i think it is he says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies why If he's going to prepare a feast for you, why is he going to do it in the middle of your enemies who are there as threats? How can you sit and enjoy the company of the good shepherd, of brothers and sisters, and enjoy a feast when there is someone standing with a sword drawn over your neck? But this is what the shepherd does. He prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. He wants to bring us to a vulnerable place. Because he wants to show us that even in that place where we and ourselves would be uncomfortable, when our trust is in him, we can have the same joy, peace, fulfillment as if we are in the presence of our enemies, as if we are in our own home in the company of our own family. Nothing can shake us any longer. No matter where he takes us, no matter where his voice leads us, you cannot be shaken to the core when your trust is solid placed upon God and who he is, upon his character. We can't be shaken. We can't be touched. And in that place, in that vulnerable place, not only does God teach us to trust, show us that he is worthy of our trust, but in that place, we are on display for everyone around to see the testimony of the goodness of God. He is building a testimony with our lives for all those listening and watching. There's a man named uh, Joe Gibia who started a business called Airbnb. Anybody ever stayed at an Airbnb? It's crazy how this, this uh, was started. He was actually a designer. He graduated from RISD, Rhode Island School of Design in Providence, and moved out to San Francisco, California. And when he did, he was out there and found himself eventually in a tough situation because he was, here he was, an art student and a designer without a job. He just lost his roommate and his rent had just gone up. So he found himself in a tight situation. Well, he found um, an opportunity that he wanted to take advantage of because there was a conference happening in San Francisco right in his neighborhood, a major design conference that was happening, and it was going to be bringing in engineers and designers from all over the nation, so much so that all of the rooms and all the hotels in the area were booked out. So he thought to himself, I know what I'll do. I've got my airbed. I'm going to put out an ad and, and offer people to come and stay at my house, and I'll even make them breakfast in the morning, and I can make a few bucks and give them a place to stay. And so he did, that's exactly what he did. He put an ad out there. And three people actually took him up on the offer. And they, three people came and they stayed on airbeds. He made them breakfast. And at first he was incredibly nervous because he's like, these, these are complete strangers coming in. I, have, I don't know them from a hole in the wall. Anybody could have read this ad and showed up at my front door knocking on it and then asked to sleep in my living room. Anybody from anywhere in the world. So he was nervous about this, of course. He was making himself vulnerable. But what he found was with these three people as they came in, and he's cooking for them, they're enjoying meals together. He drove them, took them around town, and they're hanging out together. And after the conference ended, and they left, and he shut the door and locked the door, he's like, what just happened? This could be a thing. 
And so he took his idea and he, went, he actually went in and pitched it to, uh, to a venture capitalist to see if he can kind of get some funds. And he's like, this, I got a great idea. We're going to get people to open their homes all over the world to complete strangers. And they'll come and, and they'll, they'll have experiences together. And of course, it got shot right down. <laughs> he was going to be opening their doors to complete strangers. But eventually, he found a way and it began to happen with such, such success that now, tonight, any given night, two million people around the world will be using an Airbnb. Two million people. This guy is worth over $3 billion at this point <laughs> because he opened his door to let somebody in. So here's the interesting thing about this too. They put pictures and things of, of the host's homes to give you a picture of what it is you're going to be staying in, where you're going to be staying for the few days. They're trying to be a little bit vulnerable so that guests will say, okay, I know, what I, I know what I'm walking into. But after a guest leaves from their stay, they, they need to give a review. So they give a review from, about their host to tell them how was their experience. How was the host? How was the home? How was the, the food? All, all these things. And so they do. They leave these reviews. And what Joe found is this. When they're trying to build trust so more people will be willing to, to use the service, if they have... Uh, testimonies, uh, three testimonies or less, it doesn't touch the trust. It doesn't touch that factor. But the magic happens when there are 10, 10 testimonials or more, the trust skyrockets and it goes through the roof because people have heard these testimonials about these, these places and they say, that's where I want to go. And the, the difference that it makes is astounding. Jesus said to us in John 15, he said, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He has made himself completely transparent and vulnerable to us. Everything that he knows, everything that the father showed him, he told us. He didn't hold anything back. But even though he has been transparent with us, it's still difficult for us sometimes to trust ourselves to him. We can still be skittish, a little bit nervous, still afraid to take the leap and actually trust him in real situations of risk. But in those times, it's the testimonies of our brothers and our sisters that can help push us over, into the, in, over to the edge and to begin to trust him a little bit more. We don't need to understand everything. We just need to trust him. At one point, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? What are the, what are the testimonies that are being said about me? And when they answered him, they said, well, some people, they think that you're Elijah reincarnated. Some people that, they think that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, okay, well, but what do you say that I am? And Peter's the disciple that spoke up in Matthew 16, and he said, well, you're the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. See, the people in Jesus' time were really the same as they are today, not much different. They, all have all, they had all different things to say about Jesus, all different opinions about who he was, about his character. Some loved him, some hated him, just like today. But the, because the disciples recognized 
who Jesus truly was, they were able to follow him and follow his voice. And in that following, there was rest, there was peace, there was fulfillment. So for every person, any given person trying to trust someone, there's two different traits that we look for. Some of us look for one, others of us look for the other traits. These two traits are are this, we're either looking for character, does this person have the kind of character that is honorable, that is respectable, that I can, I can trust myself with? Others of us don't look so, to character so much as we do to competence. Does this person really know what they're talking about? Am I truly safe? Because they have, they have the, the, the knowledge and the reliability that I'm, if everything's going to work out okay, do we trust in the competence? And whether or not, which, whatever, whichever category we fall in, we know that our good shepherd satisfies all of these things. He reveals himself to us. His character of, of, of gentle, loving, humble spirit. And at the same time, a reliable, trustworthy, steadfast God who has the power to lead us through to success in every circumstance. But he's only able to lead us to that success as we follow his lead because he doesn't drag us there. He leads us there. And every person who is willing to follow his leadership and submit to him will experience the success and the victory that he's going to because his destination doesn't change. The only thing that can change is if we are willing to follow or if we're going to stay at a distance and keep away. It take, that's the only part that we play in it. It just comes down to willingness to follow. As we work towards closing here, I want to read this scripture from 2 Timothy. You might want to jot this down. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, where it says here that God has not given us a spirit of fear. The spirit that God has given us is one of power, of love, and sound mind. See, following God and obeying his will it can be motivated by all these different kinds of factors. It can be motivated by love and trust because we believe for the best and because we want to be with him, we're going to follow willingly. But that's not always the case. Following his voice, being obedient, can also be motivated out of fear. In obedience... That is, that is derived out of fear, it leads to this, and it leads to obedience that is in our hands, in our feet alone. It's an external submission rather than a submission in the heart. And really, following out of fear is more an act of self-preservation, watching out for ourselves, than actually serving and submitting to his leadership. Because we're afraid of what's going to happen if we stop. I need to make sure that I'm good. I need to be protected. I need to be safe. And I know that if I don't obey God, then I'm in danger. I got to watch out. When we're operating by fear, we are not truly submitted to him. When we're operating in fear, we're just trying to protect ourselves. 
God is not someone that we have to protect ourselves from. God is the good shepherd from the source from which all of our protection comes. He is the one that we run to. He is the source, all the things that we need. And he even warns us here in John chapter 10 where he says, the stranger's voice the sheep will run away from. And we know enough to run away from the stranger's voice. But when we're running from the stranger's voice, if we're just running wild into the wilderness, wandering around with no direct aim, not following a, a, a given leadership, we're just as lost as the day we began. But when we run away from the threats and the voices of the world that would pull us away and distract us from God, we don't just run away. We have one focus. We have one aim. We have one leader. And it's Jesus Christ. And it's his voice. We have to keep him in focus. Trust in God brings us deeper. Trust in God makes us able to aim higher than we ever thought possible. It helps us to go further than we ever thought we could. When fear is eradicated, our limitations are removed. When fear is gone, I can truly do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter the scenario that he leads us into, it cannot shake us at the core. Because our trust is placed in a God who is stronger than all posed threats. Our trust is in a foundation that runs deeper than any external adversity. He wants us to to go deeper. He's preparing us for things that lie ahead. He's taking us to a place, and in order for us to be ready for that, not only is he preparing the place, he's preparing us. And in order for us to be ready to receive where he's taken us, we need to be growing. He doesn't want this skin-deep faith. He doesn't want a skin deep, a surface level relationship. He wants to take us into the deeper things. And in order to get there, we have to be willing to take risk. But when all things are considered and we step back and look at it, the greatest risk of all is to not take a risk towards the Lord, is to not trust him. That's the greatest risk of all because that's the place where we remove ourselves from his protection. That's where we need to be, closer to him. He knows us. He knows our thoughts, our innermost being. But he wants you to know him just the same. And he will show you that. And he will speak to you more and more as we spend that time with him. As we embrace challenges with him. And then we learn about his character. And we learn about his ability. We learn about his will. And all the while, he's conforming us to his likeness and shaping in us a new person. The old is gone, and we have become new. Let's pray this morning. God, you are good. And Father, oftentimes, though we do face adversity, that causes us to sometimes think twice about what we're doing or what, where we're going or, or what we're willing to do. I know that in all things, you are who you are. 
and you will not change. So, Father, I pray this. Lord, would you help us to have ears that are willing to hear your voice clearly. And as we hear, help us, God, to take our faith and apply that and turn that faith into trust. Help us, Lord Jesus, not to just be people of faith, but to be people that follow, people that move with you. Not just looking to learn and understand and then we will follow once it all makes sense. But instead, people that are moving and trusting that it will all begin to make sense as we're following. Along the way, you will make it clear. Help us, God, to be a people that are submissive in heart. Not in deed only, but submissive in our hearts. Because we trust you more than we trust ourselves. Continue to transform us within, God, because I know it's, it's only the power of your love, God, that transforms us and makes us what you, are, what you want us all to be into your character. And help us too, Father, even as we watch you and follow after you, God, let your light and let your truth shine through our lives to be a testimony to one another, God. In the times where we're feeling weak and our trust is feeling like it's starting to fail, at those times we can look to one another and the testimony that you are giving us through our lives, the lives of our brothers and sisters. Help us, Father, to give that testimony to one another and even to the lost who have yet to know you. May they see your power and goodness and love through our lives, Jesus. We want more. We hear you calling us deeper. We want to follow you. Give us the strength and the awareness that we need. We love you in this place, Jesus. We love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys want to um, stay and pray for a few minutes, feel free to do that. If you want to come to the altar and be prayed with, you're welcome to do that as well. I love you. Be well and be blessed.